0: The one generation will command or tell your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. They will tell of the, of the power of your awesome works. Here is the Old Testament equivalent, I think, of the Great Commission. The passing on of the spiritual mantle or the baton, as we heard earlier, to a new generation. It's an intentional act, and it lies at the heart of the body of Christ and its intergenerational identity. As I prayed when I knew I was coming to see you this morning about what the Lord wanted to say to you as a congregation, I had a real conviction that you are standing at a spiritual crossroads, as it were, as is, I think, the body of Christ in the United Kingdom. And I believe the Lord is requiring something from you and me at this moment. He's requiring a renewed commitment to a new generation, a renewed commitment to a new generation. And I think that, has become more urgent because of COVID. And I think the Lord is seeking a response. So in our first reading from 2 Kings 20, there is probably one of the most shocking stories you're going to read in the Old Testament without any blood and gore. It's about King Hezekiah, and this man who reigned from Jerusalem was one of those rare kings of Judah who actually loved God and sought to live for him. He removed all the idols, we're told. He was obedient to God, and he experienced significant levels of God's favor and success during his reign. But then, as easily happens, he got just a little proud. 500 miles to the east, the king of Babylon heard about the incredible city of Jerusalem, we're told, where Hezekiah was enthroned. And he was intrigued by the rumors of Jerusalem's glorious palace and temple. The Babylonian king therefore sent a team of ambassadors to personally investigate under the guise of bringing good wishes and gifts to celebrate Hezekiah's recovery from a recent life-threatening illness. So when the ambassadors, we're told, eventually arrived in Jerusalem, what did King Hezekiah do? Well, he didn't hold back in showing them, and the word is clear in Scripture, Everything. He proudly gave them a tour of the temple, the palace, the armory, every significant and impressive part of the city. The bottom line here, I think, is he was showing off. There is absolutely no sense at all in the text that he was giving glory to God for any of it. And when the ambassadors from Babylon were told had seen enough, they returned home. But as they were leaving, the prophet Isaiah was, I guess, kind of pressed by the Lord and decided to pay Hezekiah a visit. Who are those guys heading out the door? Isaiah inquired, his voice loaded with concern about what had just happened. They are men from a distant land of Babylon who traveled just to see me and my kingdom, said Hezekiah. Do you not realize how famous I have become, Isaiah? Now, if you read the text, he didn't actually say that. But trust me, I think it's clear from the text that was in his heart. So what did you show them, Isaiah said, already sensing a word from the Lord was about to burst out of his mouth. Everything, Hezekiah answered. I showed them everything. And with that, the Spirit of God stirred Isaiah that he could not hold back the word of the Lord any longer. And the Lord tells you today, Hezekiah, that the Babylon's will return. And when they return, they will take everything. It will all be carried off to Babylon. And what is not carried off will be destroyed. And while this won't happen until you've passed away, this is the legacy you're going to leave to your children. Your children will be kidnapped, tortured, and taken captive to Babylon. This is the future that you have created for those who follow you. How would you react to a word like that? If God told you that after you had died, that an invading nation would come to the UK, come to Linfield, steal everything of value destroy everything else, and more importantly, take all your children away and torture some of them. How would you react to a word such as that? Hezekiah's response is totally shocking. Hezekiah said, and I quote, This message you have given me from the Lord is good. I'm going to read that again. This message you have given me from the Lord is good. Good? Hezekiah, you can't be serious. Thank you, John McEnroe. (laughs) Why do you think this is good? The text in verse 29 gives us the answer. Hezekiah thinks to himself, quote, at least there will be peace and security in my lifetime. Can you believe what you're hearing? Hezekiah has just been told that in the coming years, his community will be destroyed, his children will be snatched away. Yet all he can think about is himself. At least R.B okay. Now, I hope, I'm sure, that you're as horrified as I am by Hezekiah's indifference. Indifference to the future he has created. Yet it's still true today that many people, and dare I say it, many Christians, just don't care about the legacy they're leaving behind. Quote, as long as the church is there to bury me. Our consumerist society thrives on mantras like, live for today, buy now, pay later. But the future actually matters. And our indifference is not the only reason why we don't create a better future. Personally, as a disciple of Christ, I choose to believe that most people care about the future, but a great future won't happen by chance. We must be intentional. We must be committed. But the enemies of such commitment... Indifference, lethargy, complacency, forgetfulness, dare I say laziness, all too easily conspire against us. Friends, if we're not careful, we too could end up as a bunch of 95-year-olds looking back at our lives and thinking, I wish I'd done more. Hezekiah had no sense of commitment to or concern for the future generations. It's as if he's thinking to himself, well, the world's going to get worse, but it doesn't matter because I won't be here. That's not the attitude that God wants you and I to have. He wants us to be committed to building a better world for future generations, to give them a great inheritance to leave them a positive legacy. And the act of not doing so can be immense. If something of the Hezekiah spirit has seeped into your spirit, then I appeal to you this morning to wake up, to repent, and to renew your commitment to leave a legacy for future generations. So give us an example, you might be thinking to yourself here. Give us an example of how we do this. Well, if we'd had time, we would have gone to a third reading in 1 Chronicles and chapter 17. For in that chapter, David, Israel's most beloved king, decides that he needs a new temple for God. David feels bad that he's living in a beautiful palace while God is still being worshipped in a tent. So we're told that David informs the prophet Nathan of his intention to build the world's greatest temple for the one true God. And at first, Nathan, the prophet, thinks, well, this is a fantastic idea, and he cheers David on. But God has other ideas. And that night speaks directly to Nathan in a dream. And the following day, we're told that Nathan returns to David to give his news. David, the Lord God says to you today, I, choose you to be, I chose you to be king of Israel. I've always been with you. I still have great plans for the rest of your life but you're not the one to build this great temple. After you have passed away, your son and heir will do this. Now David had a choice. Would he be like Hezekiah and not care about what happens next for his son? After all, David really wants to build this temple and some of us might have expected today David to say something uh, to his son Solomon along these lines, son, I really wanted to build this temple, but God says I can't and that you're going to do it. So so I'm going to leave it to you. Best of luck. But David isn't like Hezekiah. Five chapters later, we read of David's response to God's plans in 1 Chronicles 22.5, 22, five, David said, My son Solomon is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord should be a great magnificence and fame and splendor in the sight of all the nations. Therefore, I will make preparations for it. So David made extensive preparations before his death. So did you catch that? David made extensive preparations before his death. David was committed to doing everything he possibly could to set his son up to succeed. He wanted to leave a best legacy, the brightest future for his son. And this cost him a lot. Time, money, talent, energy, passion, probably A few tears as well. The list goes on. And check out the word extensive in your dictionaries if you still um, have one and you don't just Google everything. It means literally abundant, numerous, multitudinous. That's a good word, isn't it? So here's the challenge. Hezekiah gave nothing. David gave everything. Hezekiah lived for today, David prepared for tomorrow. Hezekiah was selfish, David was selfless. Do you get the picture? So the question is, are you going to be Hezekiah or are you going to be David? Your decisions about the future matter. We have it in our hands, I believe, to pass on the spiritual mantle, to disciple a new generation for Jesus. And if we don't do this, then I think we stop being the body of Christ and default to a mere religious community. Linfield the Lord needs to know that you are committed to passing on the spiritual baton to a new generation and the mantle of faith to your Joshua. Regardless of what our eyes tell us, we need to look with the eyes of faith to the commission of Psalm 145.4. One generation will commend your works to another echoed in the Great Commission, to be and make disciples. This call is at the heart of the purpose of the body of Christ genuinely, gen- generally, and Linfield in particular. You are at a spiritual crossroads and being called upon to sow the seed of the gospel into a new generation. And like David the king, such a sowing will cost you dearly and you may never personally see its harvest, but God's promise is that the harvest will come. During the unique chapter of COVID and lockdowns, and now the cost of living simply uh, under a, uh, and now the challenge of the cost of living under a somewhat, let's say, challenging government. I think the Lord has one agenda, summed up in two words. Mission, reaching out with the gospel of grace to those beyond our walls. And discipleship, pouring our lives into our fellow disciples. During lockdown, I guess like you, he showed us our neighbors And as we obediently reached out, we encountered seekers. And now, he says, enlarge the place of your tent. He wants you to bless this community with words of life and tangible acts of loving kindness. Oh, and ask anyone in the generation who will receive the baton of mission, and they will not be... As buildings bound, as some of us older ones were or are. So I'm calling upon you to lay down your lives afresh for his purposes, to leave a spiritual legacy of prayer and mission and discipleship, thus ushering in a new generation for Jesus. And if God is so calling you, then I encourage you, perhaps as we stand for the last hymn in a moment's time, to just take a wee step forward, even in the pew where you are, to almost signal to the Lord, as it were, that you're wanting to throw off anything of the Hezekiah spirit and put on the David spirit. For the best temple, I think we can prepare in Limfield is one where a new generation of children and young people are being ushered into the kingdom. Let's pray. So, Lord, may this congregation hear and heed your word and seek to work out how to pass the baton of faith onto the next generation. And may it be for your glory and a tool in your hands for the salvation of Linfield and the salvation of our nation. For the honor of Christ. Amen. Amen.